God's given us today. God's been so great. Let me just close it out with a few moments of preaching tonight. And uh, I know we've taken some time. We've taken some time for other things tonight. I can preach this pretty quickly this evening. And so I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to Psalm chapter 19. And I want to try to share with you what God gave me uh, several weeks ago. I thought about I thought about bringing this to you Wednesday night online. And, uh, and I thought, Lord, I really don't want to preach that until I'm with them. And uh, I wanted to be with you when I preached this. <clears throat> I want to really, I want to challenge all of our young people. A lot of you adults, you're there. You're solid on what you believe and <clears throat> you don't have any problems there. And I know our youth are too, uh, but our kids are growing up and our, now our kids are having kids and our kids are going to college and all these kind of things. And so it's very important that you know what you believe. And just for a few minutes tonight, I want to talk to you about some things that prove the existence of God. And so Psalm chapter 19 in your Bibles, and when you find your place, uh, if you'll stand, you've been seated for just a few minutes, so give you a chance to stretch your legs and stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read the whole chapter tonight because we're going to really preach out of the whole chapter tonight. Psalm chapter 19, and uh, we'll listen to every word here tonight. Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 19 And verse number one, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit under the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength. And my Redeemer, you may be seated tonight. I'm marking the clock. I'll try to preach this quickly this evening. And, uh, but I, I believe we'll say a few things that will be, uh, be helpful tonight. And um, I, I just will say this, then I'm going to pray, and we'll just jump right into it tonight. God doesn't need us to defend him. And so that's not what this is tonight. Uh, it's just... God, God, doesn't need, God doesn't need an attorney this evening. Uh, God has nothing to prove. 
But I want to try to, I want to try to preach this to just put some ammunition in your gun tonight uh, as you are facing a world that's very godless and pagan and heathen. I want to give you some things. Uh, I, I believe this. I believe you ought to know what you believe. And when you come against people and they deny the existence of the Lord, I believe that you ought to have an answer that you can give to them. And so we'll give you some simple, simple things tonight, but some things I think will help you. And so let's pray quickly, and we'll jump right into the Bible study tonight. Father, we love you. What a great day it's been. We appreciate your presence, your sweet spirit. It's been wonderful today, absolutely wonderful. And Lord, truth is, we can't even thank you enough for all that you've done and all that you've been, Lord, to us and for us. Father, I pray now, as we take just a few moments and teach or preach or whatever you would have us to do tonight, Lord, I pray that you'll be, you'll be pleased and glorified through all that's done. Lord, I pray that uh, you'll work in the hearts of people now. Bless those that are watching by way of live stream. And uh, Lord, we pray that you'll bring the increase. And I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ will receive praise and honor and glory from all that, that's done. And Lord, we want to just do this tonight. We want to plead the blood of Jesus over the service. And I pray that you'll have your way now. Father, show yourself mighty, almighty. And we thank you and praise you for all that you do. And we love you tonight so much. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. How many know tonight that music is so very important? We talked about it a little bit Wednesday night on the live stream. Music is so important. And one of the reasons that it is is because we learn great doctrine from songs, or at least we should. That's why I'm a little, a little concerned about some of the, the newfangled music that's coming out. I'm, I'm not so sure that all of these new songs that are coming out have a lot of, have a lot of great doctrine in them. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says it like this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It's why we sing at Calvary Baptist Church. It's why we want to be a singing church at Calvary Baptist Church. And it's not just a time of worship, although it is. And it's not just a time to try to lift your spirits, although it is. But it's also a time when we learn great truths from the doctrine of the songs that we sing. The book of Psalms was the Hebrew songbook. God saw fit to put a songbook pretty much right smack dab in the middle of his word. Uh, and we notice here that we learn much from the songs. And such is the case with Psalm chapter 19. We see some things, I believe, that prove to us most certainly that there is a God. According to scripture, this message is sent out to the entire world, not just North Carolina, not just the United States of America, but this message that God exists is sent out to the entire world. I don't know if you noticed tonight, but look back at your scripture, Psalm chapter 19, and look, if you will, please, at verse number two tonight. Psalm chapter 19 and verse number two. The Bible says, day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. In other words, this message that there is a God is continuing to utter its speech. It's continuing to go out every single day and every single night. Verse three says, there is no speech nor language where their voice 
is not heard. And so it's not just in America. It's not just in South America. It's not just in Canada. But this message is going out all over the world. And if you miss this message from the Lord, it is because you choose to turn a deaf ear and a blind eye, which by the way, is exactly what's going on in our nation tonight. The reason people are missing the message that God exists and that there is a savior is because they choose to miss the message. The Bible says in Romans chapter one and verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. In other words, God is saying this, I have preached this message to the entire world. Nature preaches this message to the entire world every single day, every single night, that there most certainly is a God. And if you miss that message, you miss it because you choose to. In fact, verse number 21 says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. By the way, what, what's God saying? God is saying they miss it because they choose to miss it. They, they, they don't see it because they don't want to see it. They don't hear it, not because it isn't being broadcast, not because it isn't being preached, but they don't hear it because they don't want to hear it. That's the message. That the message is there is a God. All you've got to do is just look around. Just look around. You don't necessarily have to have a preacher. Just look around and God is preaching it everywhere we go. There is a God. Now someone says, preacher, what are some things that prove this, the existence of the Lord? Number one is this. Creation proves there is a God. Now that's what the writer was saying in Psalm 19, verse number one. He said, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Man, what a God. What a God. How many know that God's the greatest artist that's ever lived? Sometimes we come up to church and we look at that sky and I think, my soul, what a God that could paint. There's no artist that could paint a canvas like that. Uh, God is an amazing God and creation proves that there is a God. There is no earthly way that a person can look at creation and rightly say there is no God. Listen, Calvary, the truth of the matter is there is no way that everything we live in and everything we enjoy could have just happened to happen. You listen, people say, well, you know, you got to have faith to believe in God. You got to have greater faith to believe in that kind of atheism. 
Oh, listen, all you got to do is just look around. Adrian Rogers said it like this. We know that God exists not only by what he wrote, but also by what he wrought. And that's the truth. The liberals would have us believe that once I, once I was an amoeba, when I began to begin. Then it was a tadpole, my tail tucked in. Then it was a monkey in a coconut tree, and now I'm a professor with a PhD. That's what they'd have us believe. That all of this just happened to happen, that we just washed up on a shore 20 billion years ago, and, and one day we sprouted an arm, and the next day we sprouted a leg, and then we sprouted a tail, and, and, uh, and we just eventually evolved into, into what we are today. Uh, but the truth of the matter is we know that's false. We know there is a God. Somebody said it like this. There are four false facts that make absolutely no sense. Fact number one, books write themselves without the need of an author. Fact number two, cars build themselves without the need of a manufacturer. Fact number three, music composes itself into beautiful harmonies without the need of a composer. However, there are countless universities that are paying lecturers and professors big money to promote fact number four, which says the whole universe came into being through a process of random chance and beneficial mutations without any need of a designer. And I want to say, in Union Grove terms, that's nothing but a hogwash. That's all it is. You can't look around and just say, well, that just happened. It didn't happen. There was the great designer one day that stepped out and created everything that you see. And when you look at creation, you have to step back and say, I know there is a God. Try explaining the fact that the sun is 93 million miles away. Well, we can't even explain that. How can something be 93 million miles away? If you got in your car and you could, if you could, if you got in your car and drove in your car to the sun and you went 100 miles an hour, it'd take you 106 years to get there. And yet this morning, first thing, when I walked out, I felt this warmth on my face. I could feel the warmth of the sun. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that creation proves there's a God. The fact that the sun continues to shine and the moon continues to stay in its orbit and reflects the light of the sun is proof that there is a God. The psalmist said in Psalm 8, verse number 3, when I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Listen, creation proves there is a God. How about the creation of the human body? I tell people this all the time, but it's true. One of the greatest evidences that there is a God is you. The human body is one of the greatest evidences that God exists. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse number 13, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yes, being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuous were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. What an amazing creation the human body is. We've got medical folks in here tonight. They know what I'm talking about. We've got RNs in here tonight who went through four years of grueling school to learn the anatomy and to learn all the ins and the outs of the human body. And you, you can't study those things and then come away from that and say there's not a God. When you look at the human body, 263 different bones, 600 different muscles, 970 miles of blood vessels, 400 cups on your tongue for taste, 10, 10 million nerves and branches, 40 miles of sweat tubes, lungs that inhale 2,400 gallons of air every day, a heart that beats 4,200 times an hour, uh, pumps 12 tons of blood every day, an eye that can take in 80,000 items per second. Listen, for somebody to see that and to look at that and to know that and to say, well, it just happened to happen has to be an absolute imbecile. Someone said, someone said it would have to be like a letter factory exploding. And then when all the letters and all the smoke and all the dust settles back down to the ground, all those letters form a dictionary. You say it couldn't happen, preacher. You're exactly right. Neither could this. Except there be a great designer. A human being has, now I'm just trying to, I just, I just want you to understand tonight. A human being has about 100 billion brain cells. Although different neurons fire at different speeds, as a rough estimate, it's reasonable to estimate that a neuron can fire about once every five milliseconds or about 200 times a second. The number of cells each neuron is connected Two also varies, but as a rough estimate, it's reasonable to say that each neuron connects to a thousand other neurons. So every time a neuron fires, about a thousand other neurons get information about that firing. If we multiply all this out, we get a hundred billion neurons times 200 firings per second times a thousand connections per firing equals 20 million billion calculations per second. Figure that out, Mr. Scientist. That's exactly right. The greatest scientist in all the world did that one. The, the greatest creator of all times did that one. Again, I'm just, I'm gonna get off this point, but I'm just saying that creation proves there is a God. You heard, you heard, I know you have. You heard the story about the guy, he's walking, he's an atheist. He's walking through the forest. And on a hike, and he meets the seven-foot grizzly bear. He's an atheist, doesn't believe in God. There is no God. All this just evolved. And he meets the seven-foot grizzly bear on the trail. And he thought, what am I going to do? He just scared it. He says, oh, God, help. All of a sudden, time froze. A light shone from heaven. And a voice from heaven said, will you become a believer? And this atheist said, no, 
But could you make the bear a Christian? All of a sudden, whoosh, the light went back into heaven. Time started again. And that atheist looked at that seven-foot grizzly bear as he put his paws together and he said, Lord, I thank thee for the food I'm about to receive. <laughs> oh, listen to me. Creation proves there is a God. God is the great creator. One doubter said it like this. I don't understand why God would, would grow these big, giant trees and put these little, tiny nuts on them. And then God grows these little, tiny vines and puts a 15-pound watermelon on them. And about that time, a nut fell out of the tree and hit him on top of the head. And the Christian said, aren't you glad that wasn't a watermelon? God knows what he's doing. <laughs> creation, creation proves there is a God. But how about this one, church? Number two, inspiration proves there is a God. Would you look back at our scripture tonight, Psalm 19, verse seven? I don't know if you noticed this as we were reading tonight, Psalm 19, verse seven. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And then the psalmist says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. I believe that the psalmist was saying this, that not only... Do the heavens and creation declare the glory of God? But he said, inspiration declares the glory of God. The inspired word of God proves there is a God. In fact, Apostle John said in 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. We have tonight, thank God, we have a book tonight that tells us it's real. It's real. I know it's real. I know that there is a God. And it's a book that has stood the test of time. A fellow by the name of Adolf Hitler came on the scene. And Adolf Hitler decided that he would destroy this blessed book. During World War II, they took Bibles and religious books, piled them up in the streets in big, massive piles, poured kerosene all over them, set fire to them. And Adolf Hitler determined that he was going to do away with this blessed book, but I've got great news tonight. Adolf Hitler's gone, but the Bible is still with us. I think about men like Stalin. I think about men like Thomas Paine. I think about men like Lenin who determined and declared that they would destroy the Word of God and dismantle the Word of God, but Stalin is gone and pain is gone and Lenin is gone, but the Bible still stands tonight. Voltaire, that famous French opponent, said this. He said it took 12 ignorant fishermen to build Christianity but I will show you how one Frenchman can destroy it. And Voltaire spent his life trying to do that. And guess what, Voltaire? is gone. <laughs> but the Bible is still here. 
In fact, 50 years after Voltaire's death, the man who tried to vehemently destroy the Word of God, they bought his home and they bought his printing press. And they began to print stacks and stacks of the Word of God. And his home was used, his home was used as, a, as a storage facility and a distribution facility where the Word of God would go out. And how many know that God has a sense of humor? We can believe it by faith that what we practice is real and right. Why? Because it works. It's tried. It's proven. It converts the soul. It makes wise the simple. The word rejoices the heart. The word endures forever. Read the story of a mechanic who had come to work on a massive telescope. And the noon hour struck, and so he took a break, a lunch break, went and got his lunch bag out, but he also pulled his Bible out. He began to read the Word of God on his lunch break. That astronomer that normally worked in that facility came and he saw this mechanic reading his Bible and he said, what in the world are you reading that for? He said, that Bible's not true. He said, you don't even know who who wrote it. You can't believe what that book says. That Christian said that to that astronomer, he said, I'm just guessing that you use the multiplication tables in all the work that you do. He said, absolutely. He said, you know who wrote it? He said, no, I don't. He said, why do you use it? He said, I use it because it works. And that Christian said, I don't know all the ins and I don't know all the outs. But he said, I do know this. It works. It works. It works. And by the way, Calvary Baptist Church, it does work. Thank God it does work. Listen, what we're doing is not happenstance. It's not coincidence. I'm glad that we have a mission at Calvary Baptist Church and it's to preach this blessed book because what other things cannot do, thank God, this blessed book can do. It can change your life. It can change your home. It can change your marriage. It can change your kids. It can alter your life. It can convert your soul. Hey, hallelujah for the word of God tonight. Some things that prove the existence of God. Number one, creation proves the existence of God. Number two, inspiration proves the existence of God. And let me close tonight. Number three, salvation proves the existence of God. Absolutely. Are you at Psalm 19? Look back there with me if you will. Psalm 19, look at verse number seven. And the psalmist said, the law of the Lord is perfect. And then he said, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple, the statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. (laughs) The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It does. Every time you go to the word of God, it does something. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, Yea, then much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. The truth is salvation does transform. Salvation does convert the sinner. It's already, we've already seen it today. Having conversation with some of our folks today as people just, just ushering in. And one of our men said to me, man, that God's changed that guy's life. He said, he's changed. He said, preach, you don't even act the same. 
I mean, he comes in, man, he's fired up. He don't even act the same. You know why that is? Because salvation proves there is a God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God told Ezekiel the prophet in Ezekiel chapter 11, And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. You say, Pastor, how are you so convinced that God exists? Man, I've seen too many lives changed. By the way, what a program cannot do, salvation can What a prison cannot do, salvation can. Salvation converts the sinner into a new creature. I'm done. A week or so ago, I was reading the story of a fellow by the name of Sam Jones. Sam Jones. Sam Jones came from from several several generations of preachers. But he had decided that he was going to he was going to follow law. And so Sam Jones went to, uh, went to college and he got a prestigious education. And they said that he became a brilliant attorney. Absolutely brilliant. Sam Jones, though, had some health issues. And because of that, he began to drink a little. The only problem was is that drink required a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And Sam Jones got to the place where he became a terrible, terrible alcoholic. They said after a while that the only job that Sam Jones could get after his education, after serving as an attorney, the only job that Sam Jones could get, he was so low that he could only get a job stoking furnaces. For 12 hours a day, he would shovel coal all day long in a hot, furnace room. One day he received word that his dad was at the point of death. And Sam Jones left the furnace and he made his way to his dad's home. And there the family was and his dad was on his deathbed. And his dad was recorded as saying this to Sam Jones. He said, quote, my poor, wicked, wayward, reckless boy. You've broken the heart of your sweet wife and brought me down in sorrow to my grave. And right before Sam Jones' daddy passed away, he said this, promise me, my boy, promise me to meet me in heaven. Man, I kept reading, and I came across Sam Jones' actual testimony. And his testimony goes something like this, and this is Sam Jones speaking. He said, I went to the bar, And I begged for a glass of liquor. I got the glass and started to drink and I looked into the mirror. I saw my hair matted, the filth and vomit on my clothes. One of my eyes totally closed and my lips swollen. And I said, is that all that's left of the proud and brilliant lawyer, Sam Jones? 
I smashed the glass on the floor and fell to my knees and cried, Oh God, oh God, have mercy. The bartender ran to my side and thought I was dying and Sam Jones said I was. I said, just, just let me alone. I picked myself up and staggered to my cheap rooming house and said to the ladies running it, would you do me a favor? They answered in the affirmative. I asked them to bring me a pot of black coffee. And Sam Jones said, I went through three days and three nights of hell. But he said, when the morning came, something had happened to old Sam Jones. He said, I went down to the clothing store and I said, I want you to give me a new suit. I got saved last night. Sam Jones is coming back. Not only did I get a suit, but shirts, ties, coats, everything I needed. And as I left, he said, the merchant stuck a $100 bill into my hand. I went to the barber for I had not had a shave in over a month. I asked for a bath, a shave, a haircut. I put on my new clothes, looking pale and weak. I left to go to my wife, whom I had beaten till she was black and blue. She didn't even recognize her own husband. I said, and this is the part I just about lost it on. I said, honey, God has given you a new husband. And he's given the children a new daddy. And I wonder if you'll forgive me and start all over again. She grabbed me in her arms and cried, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've been praying for this. And Sam Jones said, I've been going around the country bragging about Jesus ever since that day. <laughs> you want to debate that there's not a God you might want to debate with somebody else. There's no use in coming debating with me because I know beyond the shadow of a doubt there is a God. Creation proves that. Inspiration proves that. And hallelujah, salvation proves that. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you. It's been a wonderful day. Father, help us to know what we believe. And although we need to do it in love, I pray that you'd help us to do it in boldness. Lord, as we come against the onslaught of this world, God, I pray as believers that we'll not bow our heads, but Lord, I pray that we will boldly proclaim there is a God. There is a God. I serve the most high God. Father, I pray that you'd help us to know what we believe. I pray that you'll bless this invitation. Lord, maybe tonight somebody needs to get on this old-fashioned altar and just sell out to that almighty God. Lord, maybe there's somebody here tonight and they have a loved one that's an unbeliever. They're lost in their sin and on their way to hell. And tonight, Heavenly Father, just for a moment, they'd come and gather around this old-fashioned altar and breathe that sinner's name to Jesus that you'd save them. Lord, I pray that you'd have your way tonight. Maybe there's someone here tonight that needs to come and rededicate their life to Jesus Christ. Whatever it might be, I pray, Heavenly Father, you'll have your way. 
and we sure thank you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I ask a question real quickly tonight? I wonder how many are here tonight, you'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am born again and I'm on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that, would you slip your hand up tonight? Preacher, I know that I'm saved. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. Is there one here tonight, anywhere, and right now you'd say, Pastor, I'm not sure about that salvation. I'm not sure about heaven. I want to go, but I'm just not sure. I want you to pray for me. Is there one anywhere here tonight? You'd slip your hand up. Anybody here tonight? All right. I see that hand. I'm going to pray for this one. Is there another? Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not really sure about heaven. I want to go, but I'm just not sure. I want you to pray for me. You'd slip your hand up. Is there anybody else here tonight? If you're watching my way of live stream this evening and you don't know that you know that you're saved and going to heaven, I want you to hear me tonight. The Bible says that God loved you so much that he sent his only son for you. And Jesus Christ, the precious and perfect son of God, came and bled and suffered and died to pay the penalty for your sin. And our Bible says tonight that if you'll put your faith and trust in Him, if you'll open your heart and allow Jesus to come in tonight, He'll become your Lord and Savior tonight. I hope you'll do that. Would you stand with me all around the house tonight? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, I pray that you'll have your way in the invitation. I pray for this one that raised their hand. Lord, that, Lord, you would confirm it in their soul, their spirit. And I pray, Father, that you'd help them to give their heart and life to Jesus. Lord, help them to come. We'd love to take the word of God and show them how they can know that they know that they know they're going to heaven when they die. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd work in the hearts of those that are watching by way of live stream. And, Father, I pray you'd confirm it in their soul tonight. Lord, give them faith to believe. And I pray that we'd see some folks saved because of the live stream tonight. Father, have your way now in the invitation. And I pray that you'll be pleased through all that's done. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.